T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Man, I hate when people say happy Monday. There's nothing happy about Monday other than the fact that there's Monday Night Football and we get to talk about what happened on Sunday here on Home and Home. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Monday. I'll say it the last time. We'll get that out of the way. Home and Home brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Week 7 of the NFL, like a lot of weeks, it's like that bath fitter commercial. You got a bunch of problems in your bathroom. You just stick up a whole new bathtub and paneling right over the bad stuff. And everything suddenly looks a lot cleaner. At least if you are the Dallas Cowboys, everything looks brand sparkly new after they rolled Philly on Sunday night football. Let's get into it. I'm Dave Briggs, home at Connecticut. Ross Tucker back home after a weekend of college football in Pennsylvania. Cowboys just roll at home 37 to 10. And if there is a playbook of how to allow Dallas to play their best football, Philly followed it to a T. Turn it over on your first two possessions and allow Dallas to score and feed Zeke. Ross Tucker, good morning to you, sir. I hope you don't say happy Monday, do you? I don't say happy Monday, but I like okay. Mondays. I I, oh. I like pretty much every day. But you have to understand, Dave, for me, Monday is almost like, like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are almost like my weekend, if you will, in the sense that these are my days to actually be home with my family. And okay. like this afternoon... I'm going to get crazy. I'm going to go to the second half of swimming practice and check it out. Then we're going to go to Al's and we're going to get some pizza and some beers. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's like I can actually be at home and be a dad. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm traveling. And even if I am home on a Sunday, I am locked in the, the, the man cave, so to speak, just watching games all day, being an absentee father. So I love every day. <laughs> But I love Mondays because on some level, Dave, I feel like it's our day to be able to open up our presence of what we found out from college and the NFL yeah. over the weekend and have a better right. understanding. One thing we found out, I'm calling yesterday on some level separation Sunday because the crappy teams to continue to show how crappy they are and they separate themselves on the bad end. And some good teams continue to show how really good they are and separate themselves on the top end. I actually feel like this is the first time in a while. I don't think there's as many middling teams as there normally are. I feel like there's like 10 really good teams, maybe 5 to 10 really crappy teams, and then 10 in the middle. Usually I feel like that middle group is bigger. And last night, wow, man, I, I was not expecting that. At all. Um, now, I will say this. Earlier in the week on 94.1 WIP in Philadelphia, available here on the radio.com app, I picked the Eagles to win 24-20. I thought they were going to bounce back from that disappointing game against the Vikings. 
Doug Peterson came out and was very strong about how they were going to play, that they were going to win the game. And I thought they were going to have the health advantage. I didn't think Amari Cooper was going to play or Lyle Collins or Byron Jones or Tyron Smith. But then by the time yesterday rolled around and I was on the Eagles official pregame show, again, on the radio.com app, I switched. I switched, Dave. That rarely happens, but the Eagles still didn't have Deshaun Jackson, who I thought might be back. No Jason Peters. Still a bunch of other guys hurt, and the Cowboys had all their guys. And those guys made a big difference. Both offensive tackles, Byron Jones. Amari Cooper is a tremendous, tremendous player. So I switched to the Cowboys, and I'm glad I did. But even at that point, Dave, I did not think that would happen. I I did not think that the Eagles would get embarrassed on national TV in a rivalry game like that last night. Very surprising. In particular, the Dallas Cowboys are a slow-starting team. That's what's plagued them these last three losses. They have scored a total of nine points in their prior three games in the first half. They were a slow starter. So the one thing, the only thing you cannot do if you're playing the Cowboys is turn the ball over early and allow them to get the win behind them, allow them to feed Zeke Elliott. It was the perfect way to lose to a Dallas Cowboys team. And I agree with you. The health Really, it was huge here. I had no idea. Fine. If you if you thought Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith were going to play, I think the surprise was that Amari Cooper didn't just play. He played outstanding football. And this is a guy that had to go out on Friday and prove to the coaches that he was okay enough even to get out there in the game. He was spectacular in the effort. The numbers five for 106 could have had a touchdown. Probably wants that one play back. Dak. 21 of 27, 239, a touchdown. He also rushed for one as well. But let's start with Philly, why don't we? And what is ailing the Eagles now, three and four, just stunned in Dallas? Let's hear from the head coach, Doug Peterson, because the big talk leading up was how he was confident that he made that non-guarantee guarantee that we're going to go there, we're going to win, we're going to take over first place in the division. Here's Doug Peterson afterward. Doug, do you, uh, do you feel like you were overconfident coming into this no. week? No, not at all. Do you regret um, voicing your confidence earlier in the week? Nope, do not. <laughs> Just felt like, uh, you nope. know, I had a lot of confidence in this football team, a lot, of, a lot of trust, a lot of faith in the guys, had a good week of preparation. Um, and, and quite honestly, I just, you know, um, after a game like this, we all have to kind of step back, look in the mirror, especially myself. It starts with me. And uh, this is one of those games that, uh, you know, I take personal from that standpoint. Uh, we didn't play well, and that's, that's, that's personal on me. So um, I got to get that fixed. Made clear on this program before, I'm a big fan of Swagger. Had no problem with Doug Peterson's comments. Like to see that type of confidence and hear about it. But did it backfire? Zeke Elliott said afterwards, this rivalry is enough. I don't care. And quote, fact, I don't give an F what Doug Peterson says. Zeke now averaging 115 yards in five games against Philly. Look, I've never been in an NFL locker room, Ross, so I like those types of comments. Do they actually help motivate a team like the Dallas Cowboys? Might it have played a factor? I mean, maybe, but I don't think it played as much of a factor as Dallas Goddard and Carson Wentz fumbling on the first two series. I mean, if we're being honest, right, Mm -hmm. I I think 
things just snowballed for the Eagles. And the issue really is that it's some of their best players, Dave. I mean, Dallas Goddard is a young stud. He fumbles the next series. Then you have a situation where Lane Johnson, uh, arguably their best offensive lineman, gets beat by Demarcus Lawrence for his trip sack. And then Zeke Elliott runs over Malcolm Jenkins, one of their best defensive players, for a touchdown. I mean, these are some of the Eagles' best players. Now, I will tell you, every team I've been on ever, if the opposing team's head coach came out and said to a radio show on Monday, we're going to go down and we're going to beat them, that would be brought up. And it would be a rallying cry. And we certainly saw from Demarcus Lawrence and what he said late in the week, that it was a big deal to him. They they at least used it as a rallying cry. You know what happens, yeah. Dave? And look, the, the Cowboys had already lost three games in a row. They were already desperate for a win. I made the case throughout the week that I felt like it was actually a bigger game for the Cowboys because of that. A, they were home. And B, they couldn't afford to lose a fourth straight game. Not that the Eagles could afford to lose that one. But it certainly felt like a bigger game to the Cowboys to me. But being in those locker rooms, here's what happens, right? Monday afternoon, when Jason Garrett first meets with the team, he's like, you know, guys, they got a lot of guts. They got a lot of guts for their head coach to come out and say they're going to come in here and they're going to kick your butt. They're going to beat you guys. I I wouldn't say that. I can't believe that they've got the guts to say, what? I mean, you guys going to let that happen? You're going to let them just say on Monday that they're going to come in here and beat your butt on Sunday? And it just kind of becomes this, this rallying cry. It's, you know, it's just like a little extra fuel to the fire. It's like you're, you're throwing a couple more logs on. And it's just, it, is, it, is it why they lost by 27 points, Dave? No. Did it help the Eagles? Pretty clearly it didn't, and it seemed to help the Cowboys at least a little bit. And I would just tell you there's a reason why coaches, players try to never do anything that could be construed as bulletin board material because, you know, it just it just gives you that extra little teeny edge. Like, yeah, why the, who is he to be saying that? He doesn't even play, and he's going to come out and say they're going to come in here and beat us? I'm going to shut him up. That's the attitude you have as a player. How much it really makes a difference once they get inside the white lines, Dave, I don't know that anybody can really tangibly say, but it it clearly had a chip on the Cowboys' shoulders just based on DeMarcus Lawrence's comments about it later in the week. This we know. It certainly did not help Philadelphia. It did not help them from the start of that football game, and now the situation is at Buffalo Chicago by week, New England. Things could get ugly fast. Philly is three and four. And Carson Wentz was was just okay. 16 to 26, 191, a touchdown, an interception. The two fumbles really were killer when you're talking about three turnovers in a crucial division game. Let's hear from Carson Wentz on his confidence in the wide receiver group and also in Nelson Aguilar, who uh, catching babies Aguilar looked like he gator-armed an easy touchdown for the Eagles. At the very least, didn't lay out for it, but didn't even outstretch his arms for a football here's the eagles qb on all that carson what's your level of trust in your wide receiver group at this point it's high yeah it's very high i mean those guys go out there game in and game out make plays and 
Um, I feel extremely confident uh, with them, you know, after this game and still going forward. And um, But at the end of the day, we just got to be better. Offensively today was a, was a struggle, obviously. Um, they played us, played us well. We did not play well. So uh, we got to correct some things and get back on. In the fourth quarter, you threw deep to Nelson. Um, did you catch it? Did, did you feel like the effort on the ball was there? And what did you see on the play? Well, I wish we. I thought we had a touchdown when I threw it. I didn't see the end result. Um, I, I was on the ground, so I didn't didn't get a chance to see. But um, you know, I, when I threw it, I thought we had had a good one there. But I I got to make a better throw, obviously, and uh, hopefully get in the end zone next time. That's the quarterback covering for his wide receiver. He wasn't the only one that thought they had a touchdown on that long throw. I thought it, and all of Eagles Nation thought they had it. Nelson Aguilar has got to come up with that football. He's got a massive case of the dropsies this year, and he's got to fix it. They also need Deshaun Jackson back. So let's talk Dallas. Dak, 21 of 27, 239, a touchdown. He ran for one. We talked about Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott was outstanding. How much better do you feel about this Dallas team, Ross? The same team that somehow went to New York and lost to the Jets, and that's what I mean about a, a bath fitter. I mean, suddenly you put up a new bathtub and a new wall and everything looks a lot better. How does this same group of guys lose at the Jets and dominate the Eagles? Do you do a lot of bath fitting, Dave? I don't. I don't. But I almost bought a home <laughs> that had been bath fit. And then the real estate agent told me later, I think all those bathtubs were bath fitters. They look nice on the outside, but if you get underneath them, there's some rot and there's some mold. And, and some NFL teams are like that. You get underneath it, there's some rot, there's some mold. They're just covering up the problems. Is that the Cowboys? Or how do you explain the Jekyll and Hyde in two weeks? Yeah, that's interesting. By the way, I am the least handy person in the world, and I know nothing about stuff like that. So I just learned I don't even know what a bath fitting is. So really? now I know. Um, huh. Look, I, 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 I thought before the year the Cowboys had a chance to have a really good team. I'm not overly surprised by what I saw last night. I mean, they've got an excellent offensive line. I thought Dak played as well as he has in a while. Amari Cooper, I mean, that one catch he made down the sideline when Jalen Mills had perfect coverage on him, very impressive. Uh, Zeke, I, I'm not sure there's a running back in the league I would take over him, Dave. Certainly, I think Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley are in that conversation. I think right now, maybe I would take McCaffrey, but I am so impressed by Zeke's ability to run between the tackles and to get the tough yardage. He is really an exceptional player. And I think the other thing is the defense had been letting them down, but now DeMarcus Lawrence was able to get pressure and make a big play. And I, I just think this is a huge game for them. I only think the NFC East is going to get one team in the playoffs before the year. Yes. I thought that the Eagles and Cowboys were both legitimate Super Bowl teams. Now I think only one of these two teams even makes the playoffs I don't think they're the one or the two seed. I think they end up being the three or the four seed. And the Cowboys got a big let, uh, leg up with that head-to-head -head win. But also, Dave, if you look at their schedules moving forward, the Cowboys pretty much had to win that game. I mean, the last five games for the Eagles, uh, their schedule gets a lot easier. They need to weather the storm over this six-game stretch. I said they needed to go three and three, two and four at worst. Well, they're 0-2 on this six-game stretch now. 
These next two at Buffalo and home against the Bears are gigantic for the Eagles. They got to get at least one of them and really ideally both to try to come out of this with a chance going into those last five games of the year. Does look like one team in that division gets into the playoffs. And right now, Dallas in the driver's seat, they have the bye week. And boy, do they feel better going to the bye week than the Giants, Minnesota, and Detroit. And what's amazing about this team is, yes, it was just days ago that most of Cowboys Nation and even us talking heads were acknowledging that if they lost this game, that could eventually, not right then, but would eventually cost Jason Garrett his job. And now... This looks like a team that could win the division, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Bath fitter. Here's Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott on the big win. How are we doing, guys? Jason, did Coach Peterson's guarantee of a victory earlier last week have anything to do with the emotion this team came out with tonight? Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with it. Uh, we focus on us. Uh, we focus on each day of preparation and the task at hand. Our guys did a great job preparing for this ball game and did a really good job playing for 60 minutes in all three phases. Well, in light of the injuries that you've had thus far this season, Jason, obviously the bye week's coming at a really good time for you now. Yeah, and again, I thought those guys did a fantastic job working their way back. You know, to have Tyron back in there and LC uh, playing tackle for us and Amari and, and RC. You know, coming back and being able to play receiver, making the plays they made tonight. Byron Jones fighting his way back. So those guys did a fantastic job. Uh, they make a difference for us. The guys who played in their place fought hard and battled, and, and they grew from the experience. So we're a better team for it. And, and hopefully over the next you know, 10 days or so, guys will get healed up and we'll get ready to go again. Yeah, it was a great team right. win. Uh, the best complimentary football that we've played all year long. Offense, uh, defense, defense making plays, getting us – on the plus side of the field, I was being able to capitalize on them, being able to do that early, score touchdowns early, uh, just um, something that we've been trying to get to all year long, uh, and, and we were able to do that tonight. Did you have a good feeling during the week that you might have a performance like this? Or yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100% did. Uh, no doubt in my mind um, about about how we're going to come out and perform tonight, uh, but it's all about the way we prepared all week long, the mindset, the mentality, uh, the approach, um, the way everybody just came to work, and uh, we didn't we didn't – panic we didn't have to say uh everything hit the fan let's start over we doubled down on who we are uh and just got better uh, and we're able to take take what we what we practice and bring it to the game was about, it more aggressive the play calling because you guys got that early lead is that what allowed them to open up the playbook as you mentioned i don't know i mean we've got a coach that's aggressive we got a coach that believes in our offense and believes in the guys that he has uh, i mean we're in the situation last weekend and we did the same thing so um, that's just kind of who we are. That's who this team is, believes in himself, knows we have the we have the players that can go make those plays and have an immense amount of confidence in that. So uh, whether you're up or whether you're down, uh, I think that's that's who we are in those situations. Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, and before that, Jason Garrett, who looks awfully good this morning despite the calls for his job a week prior. The ESPN show first take asked, was that a, an example of how good the Cowboys are or bad the Eagles are right now? 81% of people say how bad the Eagles are. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, one of the, we're going to get a real sense of the passion and probably the frustration and anger of Eagles Nation. One of the great callers from our station, WIP in Philadelphia, Eagles Shirley will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. You will really get a sense of how frustrated and how angry Eagles fans are on this Monday morning. So who's the best team in the NFC? Well, at least by the record, it looks like the San Francisco 49ers. 6-0, first time since 1999. 
to nothing. They win at FedEx Field on a wet, muddy, ugly, nasty, and in some cases, very fun day for guys like Nick Bosa, who makes the sack, goes slip and slide on the football field on Case Keenum. Several other teammates join him. It was a lot of fun for that defense, and they are putting up some historic numbers are the Niners on the defensive side of the football. Listen to this. First team since 2005 to limit an opponent to seven or fewer points and fewer than 200 yards in three consecutive games. That is impossible to accomplish in this era. 98 total passing yards they've allowed in two weeks combined. Uh, Ross, is this the best team in the NFC or are there some real problems with Jimmy Garoppolo? I thought he looked mediocre in this game. I know their conditions and they were rough, but 12 of 21 for 151 against a Washington defense that made Mitch Trubisky look like Tom Brady. I think that is an underlying problem for that offense. So a couple things. Number one, I love watching that game. I love the Niners. I love their style of play. Their defense is badass. I love the way they run the ball. But how much did now this will tell me a little bit something about you, Dave? Mm -hmm. it, when you watched that, or did you were you thinking, "Oh, this is brutal. There's no offense," or did you think it was fun to watch these grown men playing in the rain in those conditions? Well. I thought, God, I would love to play in this game as a defensive player. It made me think of football as a kid and playing in those conditions, which was so much fun. But I, like a lot of people, I'm a fantasy football player and watcher. I, no, I'm not a pitcher's duel kind of guy. I like some offense. And I want to see what kind of quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is if he's going to get these comparisons. And I saw it yesterday. He's not very good. He's just kind of mediocre right now. So that's what I was looking for, a guy that's going to – fight through the conditions and still play pretty well. Yeah. So for me, I, I just, it, it took me back to junior year of high school when we yeah. beat Connor Weiser, our big rival, it poured all night. And I don't know what it is, Dave, but it's so fun playing in conditions like that. I mean, you saw the guys, the Niners were having fun. They were slip sliding around. I, I couldn't take my eyes off it. I mean, I, I really couldn't. I just, Oh. I really enjoyed watching those guys. Even like Trey Quinn caught a pass and slid for like 15 yards, it seemed like, going out of bounds. I just, I think it's one of the things that makes football special and different, right? You wouldn't see a baseball game or certainly basketball or NHL in those conditions. One of the things that makes football great, there was obviously that awesome picture of the, the make, the, the mud just caked on the face of one of the Niners linemen. I, I thought it was awesome. The Niners have proven they can win that way out in sunny California. They can win that way in muddy, rainy uh, Maryland as well against the Redskins. I do think right now they are the best team. That hmm. said, to your point about Jimmy Garoppolo, when they get in the playoffs – and they're going against a team like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or Drew Brees and the Saints, because the Saints, and we're going to talk, you know, to Dan Bernstein in a little bit, but the Saints uh, are very impressive right now, even without Drew Brees. 
Or if they, even if they play the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, right now, Dave, I kind of feel like the Niners would have the lesser quarterback in all of those games. I think they'd have the lesser yeah. quarterback if they played the Cowboys and Dak Prescott right now. Can they still win? Yeah, and they got a chance right now to get home field advantage, to get a bye. They would only have to win two home playoff games. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo can play well enough for them to win those games, but they would be at some sort of quarterback deficit, I feel like, in all of those games, which makes it hard. Bath fitter. Jimmy Garoppolo is the mold underneath the bath fitter of this football <laughs> team. I'm sorry. You can't go 12 to 21. I understand it's muddy. I understand it's wet. How many times do we see Tom Brady and other great quarterbacks in this league play through those conditions? Now they still can run the football with the best of them. 147 yards rushing, uh, 137 yards rushing on the ground. So they can still do that. But when they get up against a great, a truly great defense, and certainly Washington is not that. And that team says, all right, Jimmy, we're going to make you beat us. Not convinced they're going to do that. I'll tell you who I think is the best team in the NFC. And their quarterback is the reason they are not just staying afloat. They are excelling with a star out. We'll talk about the other best teams in the NFC in just one sec, Ross. But first, we're going to talk about ZipRecruiter because I haven't had a chance to tell you about them since Friday. It's been killing me. How are some of you still not using ZipRecruiter? How do you think we find all our millennials? How do you think Dylan Miskowitz, <laughs> who needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, was able to get his director of coffee? ZipRecruiter. They don't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. We invited Jordan and Dylan and Jacob and Eric and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen and Dixon. Dylan posts his job on ZipRecruiter, not Dylan Burns, Dylan Miskowitz, my other buddy and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it is really no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Free is for me. At our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Home and Home has tweeted out the question, who has been the most surprising team in the NFL so far? Mine coming up to start the 9 o'clock hour, but the 49ers are the overwhelming lead right now with 59%. Follow us at RDC Home and Home. Best team in the NFC, if you ask me, the New Orleans Saints, because Drew Brees went down and it has not been a problem. Teddy Bridgewater is now 5-0 and in this game in particular you have to focus on because it wasn't just Breeze out. It was Alvin Kamara out. It was the tight end Jared Cook out. 
and the Saints dropped an absolute beatdown on the Chicago Bears. For those of you that wake up and see box scores or even see it Sunday night and might see a highlight or two, 36-25 does not tell the story over the Bears. They destroyed them. It was 36-10. to Trubisky got a couple garbage-time touchdowns. That's the only thing in addition to a 102-yard kick return that made this game look any better. How about the job Teddy Bridgewater has done? They rack up 424 total yards. Teddy, 23 of 38, 281, two touchdowns. He's thrown nine and just two interceptions in going 5-0. Latavius Murray looked like Alvin Kamara. 150 total yards, two touchdowns. Best team in the NFC if and when they get back a healthy Drew Brees, who is expected to return to practice this week. Ross, where do I have it wrong? Uh, I don't think you do have it wrong. I, I think when they get Brees back, and, and by the way, they play uh, the Cardinals and then they have a bye. I have no idea why you would want to try to play Drew Brees before the bye. I mean, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I would, I would continue to let that thing heal, make sure it's 100%. The way they're playing right now, they really don't even need them. I mean, this is a tried and true formula in the NFL. And I know everybody loves quarterbacks and Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. But Dave, if you play lights out defense, like the Saints are playing right now, they got the horses. They got the guys. Cam Jordan and Davenport and Marcus Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, Marcus Williams. I mean, they, they've got they've got the guys. And then if you have what they have up front, which is the best offensive line in the NFL right now. You're going to win. I mean, Bridgewater all day. Latavius Murray, their backup running back, running and looking better than he has in a while. And the defense, that that was one. I'd like to see the poll question on that one. How much of that was good Saints defense? How much of that was bad Bears offense? Because that was some bad Bears offense too. But it was extremely impressive. The Saints are, I mean, who would have thought? after Breeze went down, that they'd go undefeated with Bridgewater, who's playing fine. He's not even playing great. He's playing fine. Uh, but they've just been that. Everybody else has just picked it up that much. Yeah, it's really been incredible. Uh, I guess my question is, is regarding that Chicago defense, what the hell was that? I mean, look, at this much, it's clear. The, the the Bears offense is just a dumpster fire. Mitch Trubisky was missing reads, making bad decisions. He was really perfectly Mitch Trubisky. 34 of 54, garbage time touchdowns. But the Bears had 85 yards of offense, four first downs through three quarters. Can't figure out what in the world happened to the Chicago Bears defense that we knew earlier this season that looked like a championship unit. We're going to talk to Dan Bernstein about all this 670 the score in Chicago in just a couple of minutes. But to you, Ross, where has this Chicago defense gone bad? It was, it shouldn't be this type of football game. They should be in this till the very end. Teddy Bridgewater should not carve you up. Latavius Murray is certainly an adequate backup. 
What happened to a championship unit? They have no running game. And as Mitch Trubisky said afterwards, they have no identity in Chicago, no semblance of a running game and a championship defense that has faded. You're exactly right. I don't have a great explanation for it because they have the personnel on the defensive side of the ball. Now, losing Akeem Hicks, that certainly hurts, but they've kind of gotten carved up now by the Raiders. You get carved up now by the Saints with their backup quarterback. It's not the same unit we saw on that Monday night in Washington or even against Kirk Cousins three weeks ago. It's crazy how quickly things can and do change in the NFL. And I think mm. the answer, Dave, is that they've gone against two very good offensive lines, and those offensive lines have gotten the better of them. The Raiders and the Saints have, have taken the punch to the Bears, who are lacking an inside rush and inside presence without Akeem Hicks, and it's showing. How do you run for 17 yards on seven carries? On the flip side, Sean Payton, in my book, coach of the year without a close second. The way he has not just weathered the storm, but kept that team on top, going 5-0, and beating Chicago without Kamara, without Breeze, without Cook. Sean Payton, still one of the best in the game today, and he's been the best through seven weeks in the NFL. Coming up in just a bit, more reaction from Chicago. What are the callers saying? In the Windy City. Dan Bernstein, 670, the score, talks about Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, perhaps a little Chicago Cubs talk right around this break. Are the Minnesota Vikings a contender in the NFC? Kirk Cousins going straight. Patrick Mahomes, at least with the numbers. We'll talk about Cousins and the Vikes in a bit. But we start elsewhere in that division with the Chicago Bears destroyed. By the Saints, 36-25. The Boo Birds were out early and often in Chicago. Let's go to Chicago and bring in our friend Dan Bernstein. 670 the score in Chicago. Dan, Dave Briggs, and Ross Tucker, appreciate the time on a Monday. Uh, how do you characterize the spirits of Chicago Bears fans this morning? Ruined. This was a complete and utter disaster from jump. And what's eating at a lot of people who have been watching this team and paying attention very carefully is the disparity between word and deed. And it isn't the first time this has happened. The season opener was a time after a preseason in which Bears starters did not play. And the AP coach of the year told everybody, I got this. Everything's going to be fine. We know what we're doing in practice. I got it. They laid an egg in the opener. Then they hit the bye week after the awful weekend in London, which felt kind of like a one-off, maybe a bit of an anomaly because of travel. But there was this beloved coach and trusted coach, again, saying, I got this. We're going into the bye week. We know what's wrong. We're going to self-scout. We are going to look at ourselves ruthlessly. We're going to fix this. And then that it's that disparity that is really hitting home and making this much more serious than just a regular season bad loss. All right, so Dan, I, I watched a bunch of that game, and I'm still not sure I know the answer to this question, but I want to get your perspective of it. Maybe it's a little bit skewed because you're in Chicago, but how much of that did you feel like was, wow, Saints really have a good defense versus, man, the Bears are just that bad on offense. We both know it's a combination of both, 
But if you had to tilt the meter, which way are you tilting it? This is a coach who is here because of his understanding of offense, of offensive philosophy. And we were promised that it was going to look a whole hell of a lot better than it's looking. The problem is in what they betray with their play calling. When they don't run, after telling you they were going to fix the running game, after saying we know where the problems are, it's not just Kyle Long, we know what to do with all of this, the, the weapons at their disposal. I'm wondering, and I think there's really no answer to this question, is it that they don't run because they can't run or they can't run because they don't run? Either one is completely unacceptable. And I don't think this is a tip your cap to the Saints kind of game. Not for this team. Not for a team with these expectations. We can't lower the bar. This team was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. And now in this this sickening twist of events, they're an NFC also ran. Matt Nagy, after the game, said something I found odd. He said, the last thing anybody is going to do, whether it's you guys or anybody else outside, you're not going to pull us down. Aren't Is it the media that is pulling the Chicago Bears down? It's a great catch on your part. It absolutely caught my ear as well. Matt Nagy has always embraced attention, embraced pressure, embraced the relationship with fans and media. It's telling to me that at this, without question, the nadir of his coaching tenure here, for him to pit his team against, for him to already pull that well-worn, overused coaching managerial card, however you want to phrase it, some version of that old war horse of the only people that believe in us are the people in this room, tune out the haters, however you want to try to, to put new words on it. It's unfortunate. He doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to say people are out to get us. People are going to tear us apart. People watched crappy football. Now for the last six hours of Bears football, that's not the outside tearing them apart. That's them not blocking, not tackling, not reading defenses, not completing passes. All right. So, Dan, let's let's talk about the offense. What's the most concerning part of it? Forget Nagy and the play calling for a second. From a personnel standpoint, what's the most concerning part? That they can't run it, the offensive line, or is it too easy to just say it's Trubisky? Well, he's the quarterback, and it's very easy to say it because of the regression. He looks like his circuits are absolutely fried. And I understand he's wearing a harness. I understand that he's coming back from injury. But every bit of his internal targeting mechanism his timing mechanism just looks off it looks like you got to shut this down and reboot it or start it in safe mode or do something because he looks like like there's a he's got a computer problem I have no other way to phrase it the offensive line has not helped and you had a, a pro bowl center who you moved to guard you got a pro bowl tackle who isn't playing like one and you've got a ton of guaranteed money up front at some point you'd think there's a pride level there of just being able to look at the guy across the line from you and push him a little bit backwards that's really all it takes to give somebody a, a crease there was time to throw I thought that there was a defined pocket and opportunity. But again, everything about the timing, about his ability, Trubisky's ability to to process what he's seeing is just off. But at least you have a kicker. Who would have thought <laughs> through seven weeks a kicker might be the bright spot for the Bears offense? 
Eddie. Wasn't that adorable? Yes. Wasn't, wasn't that cute? When we spent an entire summer saying, well, you know, this well-oiled machine could have the Achilles heel of being undone by something as superfluous as the choice of place kicker. Wasn't that just adorable? Uh, it was. And you know what? Eddie Pinero's been spectacular. But seriously, uh, could could they bench Trubisky? They okay, Everything's on the table right now. Every dumbass meatball caller theory is completely valid and on the table now after that. You can't say no to anything. I don't think they will. They obviously could, and they could just pull the plug on it. But that's what it is, right? If you, if you do that now and say, you know, we're still in our window of competition. We are still 500. We're going to try to fall back into some kind of managed game system here. You've told Trubisky you're done with him. It's a it's a huge move to make. Is it possible? Yeah, probable. No. It's kind of unbelievable when you think about it, Dan. I, I, you know what's really crazy about it is what happened. And Dave and I were talking about this earlier. Dave was asking about it. What happened to their defense? I mean, Ted Ginn's like wide open. Latavius. They don't even have Alvin Kamara or Jared Cook. And and the Saints are marching up and down the field. I honestly, if if I were a Bears fan, I think I might even be more concerned about the. You know, the offense isn't very good, but the defense. What happened to the defense, Dan? Well, they're on the field forever. They just can't get a break. And at some point, there has to be a fatigue issue. Obviously, Akeem Hicks matters, but he can't matter that much. He can't be that important when you have guys like Nick Williams and Bilal Nichols who are capable above replacement level extras coming in for him. Something's wrong with Roquan Smith, and I don't know what it is. We never got to the bottom of the personal issue that sidelined him a couple of weeks ago. He looked like he was playing in a fog last week, and he just isn't moving with purpose or impact at this point. It's hard, though. They, they look demoralized. There was a little bit of quit, I thought. In, in, a, in a defense where you see the body language in between plays, you see the, sh- the slumped shoulders, and I think it's human nature when you're just worn down at that point to, to give a little bit. And I think we're seeing a defense realize it's something other than superhuman. You know what else is crazy, Dan, watching that? I want to get your opinion. Watching that game and watching the Saints defense just totally stifle the Bears – and then watching the Saints running the ball behind what I think right now is the best offensive line in football and their backup running back, the Saints look like the Bears. Like the Saints look like when the Bears have a good team, that's what they look like. They run it. They, they Maybe they didn't have a great throwing night, but they throw it enough and their defense is down. It had to almost – rub salt in the wounds that the Saints are without their quarterback, running back, tight end, and they played Bears football. They, I feel like they, they beat the Bears at their own game. Well, we tend to overcomplicate football often, and when the fat guys win, everything looks good. And when your fat guys are beating their fat guys on both sides of the ball, everybody else can go dance around and run in circles and do all their razzle-dazzle stuff. But that's what's going on right now. And that's the problem with a Bears offense that is reliant on misdirection and trickery and some of the artsy-fartsy stuff he's trying to do when that's supposed to be a luxury. Like you saw the Saints pull out in in point. They did it yesterday when they did that little double option move on the right side because they could. You don't do it because you have to. 
You do it because the opportunity arises. And from jump, it seems that everything the Bears do is trying to make up for a push that they can't get, that they have to get some kind of misdirection. They have to do some sort of sorcery just to get two yards. Did you see how panicked Nagy was when the headset went out? And they don't know what to do. He's calling Mitchell Trubisky over. And I'm, I'm laughing, and I tweeted this out, that God forbid on a third and two, you can just wink at your quarterback and say, do something, get two yards, I trust you. It, it, to me, the fear in the eyes of that sideline when the headset went out, like, oh, my God, we can't be in Mitch's head. We can't be his eyes and ears. What does that tell you? It's not a good sign. And it's also not a good sign, Dan, when you see how well the Vikings and the Packers are playing right now. Does that even matter right now to you and the no. people in Chicago? Nah. Or is no. it making it even worse that the Packers and Vikings look this good over the last few weeks? I don't think there is time or room at the moment to be concerned about what anybody else is doing. This We have to figure out, the Bears have to figure out what's going wrong here because something is going very, very wrong. They are not in a position to be looking over the fence in somebody else's yard right now because the cleanup starts here and now. All right, quickly, Dan Bernstein, I want to ask you about the Chicago Cubs. That open managerial spot, some big names being mentioned there. Girardi, David Ross, any insight as to where the Cubs might go? I'm intrigued by the second interview they granted Houston bench coach Joe Espada because they recently made a round of hires, a restructuring of the organization that included all internal promotions. They named a new organizational director of hitting in Justin Stone. They named an organizational director of pitching in Craig Breslow. They shuffled some other pieces around internally. This after saying, after Theo Epstein said, he would look for the best and brightest from other organizations as well, because the Cubs have fallen behind a little bit. It would fit nicely to have some of the quieter hires be internal and the louder, more significant public-facing one then be Joe Espada. Go grab somebody from Houston who's doing it better than everybody. And anybody you think will leave in terms of big free agents, will they really reset the deck, or are they going to try to keep the, the team as is and just bring in a new manager? No, they're not going to run this thing back as is. I okay. think at least one high-profile core position player is mm -hmm. going to be moved. And Theo, all but in in code, asked for that phone to start ringing. I think they're going to be open to a lot of things, and it wouldn't surprise me if there are some moves that maybe they're not even considering that present themselves that they jump at. Should be an interesting offseason in Chicago. Dan Bernstein, 670, the score. Catch him in Chicago. Appreciate the time, Dan. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right, Ross, let's stay in the division and talk about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Fantastic. The best he has been arguably ever in his career. The first game he ever posted a perfect quarterback rating, 158.3. Throws for five touchdowns, runs for one, throws for 429 yards and a 42-24 win over the Oakland Raiders. This is without his best receiver, Devontae Adams, Yes, Scantling looked well, looked good. Geronimo Allison looked looked okay. He threw a touchdown to Jake Kumaro. Aaron Rodgers at his very best. Are we finally getting a glimpse of what he can be with a coach he gets along with, with an offense that accentuates his talent? Well, this team could be scary good if he can play at that high of a level consistently or at least close to it. Because you're right. They still don't even have Devontae Adams. 
And that is when I start to get really, really impressed. When quarterbacks, or even just teams, you know, we talked earlier about the Saints, how they perform without Drew Brees. And now the way the Packers are performing without Devontae Adams, it's extremely impressive. Now, I got to tell you, there were some wide open receivers in this game. I, I have no idea what the Raiders were doing. I mean, he throws the ball out like in the flat to to MVS Valdez Scantling, and he just kind of trots down the field for like a 75-yard touchdown. I mean, they had some really open receivers, but I don't think that should take away from what Aaron Rodgers did. Six touchdowns is six touchdowns. Five throwing, one running. Felt like he was in a groove throughout. Felt like he was really in the zone. And he hasn't looked at like, quite that good this whole season. He's had other good games, other good moments of games against Detroit and Dallas and whatever. But this was, I mean, this was, this was really, really impressive. And you combine that with a defense that, by the way, wasn't great yesterday. And they did benefit from, man, how about, Dave, the Raiders having three turnovers inside the one I mean, the Raiders had every chance to keep this thing close. Now, it would have been a shootout, but they could have kept it close. Derek Carr did the the ball through the end zone thing, touchback. And he said afterwards that he knows that that's a mistake. You know what, Dave? I don't remember when we were younger. I don't remember seeing guys do it that much. Now it seems like once a weekend a guy does that, and it's a touchback and a critical, critical turnover just really quickly on that uh, i mean again for folks that didn't see the game car is running towards the end zone reaches out ball fumbles it just inside the pylon uh, pylon through the end zone that is a touchback and that is the worst rule in the nfl i understand Carr should know better. 23 career fumbles lost most in the nfl since 2014 Does that rule have to go? It sucks, man. That rule makes no sense whatsoever to me. Well, it's one of these rules that you almost wonder, Dave, is it just that way because it's always been that way? And to Derek Carr's credit, he said it was his mistake. He can't do that. He knows the rule. He can't reach out with one arm. But, yeah, I mean, this could be – we all love football – But we could add this to the list of ways that we can improve football. I got another one for you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, You know, I saw it last night, like in the Eagles game, but you see it almost every game. I think it was like third and 18 or something. And Malcolm Jenkins' hand might have just like grazed the face mask of a guy. Illegal hands to the face, five-yard penalty, automatic first down on like third and 18. And you see stuff like that all the time, illegal contact, hands to the face, holding, all automatic first downs. I just don't see why. I mean, other than, you know, trying to generate more offense and keep drives going, it seems overly punitive to me. I mean, if if it was less than five yards, then great, it's a first down. If it wasn't, then great. They got five yards closer, and they get another yeah. chance at it. I mean, to make an automatic first down is crazy to me. There should be no automatic first down on those in my mind. And then on on the Derek Carr play, 
look, even if you want to say to try to say these guys can't, even if you want to say that the, the the fumbling team gets the ball back at the 20, that would be tough, but it would still be better than this. It would still be better. How does the other team get the ball at the 20? I mean, yeah, this, it's this, just crazy to think this, literally, what is it, Dave? Inches, millimeters are the difference between one team has the ball at the one inch line versus the other team has the ball at the 20. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's one of those effort plays that should go back to the fumbling team where they fumbled the ball. You can't be rewarding these teams and changing an entire football game based on an effort play. But ultimately, Aaron Rodgers, the story in this, more as many touchdowns as he had in completions. He gets the game ball from this new head coach, Matt LaFleur. Clearly, they are really gelling uh, in the locker room afterwards. For those of you that haven't seen the video online, the whole team piled on Aaron Rodgers after getting the game ball from LaFleur, in particular when the coach mentioned the rushing touchdown for the old man. Here's Rogers on his comfort with his coach. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, I feel like this has been coming. I really do. I feel like we've been building, uh, and I've been feeling a lot more comfortable. Uh, and Matt's been feeling more comfortable with, you know, him calling it for me and feeling when I'm in that rhythm and when to be aggressive and when to pull back. But uh, you love it when yeah, you have a couple good positive drives. You go down and get a touchdown end of the half there after a nice uh, nice stand, and then you come out and we come in the locker room and you talk about stuff, and the first play is a shot play. You know, I just you know, love that. Now, I, I didn't throw a great ball on that one to, to MVS, but I love the uh, aggressive nature. Packers win their third straight. Vikings win their third straight. And speaking of quarterbacks that look comfortable, Kirk Cousins is playing as good or better than anyone in the game. The numbers are astounding for him in the last three weeks. Kirk Cousins is thrown for 976 yards and 10 touchdowns. That is what Patrick Mahomes did in his first three weeks when we were talking MVP for Patrick Mahomes. Miraculous, given week one, Minnesota won a football game with 10 passing attempts. Clearly no confidence in Kirk Cousins as a passer, but boy, has that all changed. After Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen aired their grievances, Cousins' four touchdown passes on Sunday, 24 of 34. 337. I cannot recall a more dramatic transformation of any position, certainly not the most important position on the football field over the course of three weeks. What the heck happened with Kirk Cousins? By the way, the final 42-30 over the Lions. Was this his head coach, Coach Zimmer, finally giving Kirk Cousins some confidence that he believes in him and allowing him to turn it loose? Or was Cousins just needing a serious wake-up call from his wide receivers and maybe even the national media? Well, maybe that's made him a little bit more laser-focused, Dave. I think that's certainly the case. By the way, I love that we're talking about Kirk Cousins performing well. I, you know, I thought a, a memo went out to the national media that you only talk about Kirk Cousins when he plays poorly. You know, yeah. because it's a lot more fun to rip on him with the guaranteed contract and all that. Nobody talks about Cousins, it seems like, when he plays well. Only when he plays poorly. So I'm glad we are not nobody and that we're actually talking about him because he has been 
lights out. I think maybe part of it is a laser focus after the receivers kind of called him out. I think part of it also is they've been calling more passes. You know, at the start of the year, Dave, it was like they were trying this thing where they run, run, only threw it on third down and long, which wasn't yeah. putting Kirk Cousins in a good position. Now it's a lot of play action. It's a lot of early down and distance passes, which are setting him up for success. And when you have the receivers that he has, this is what they should do. I mean, you think about it. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, Dalvin Cook as a runner and out of the backfield. You try to play them man-to-man like the Lions did, you are going to get smoked. Their players are just better than yours. And especially off the play action, Cousins has been absolutely deadly. Stephon Diggs is as good as any one of the game right now, as is his QB. Diggs 7 for 142, but how about Dalvin Cook leads the league in rushing. He goes for 142 yards, two touchdowns. Balance in that offense has been reestablished. I think Mike Zimmer just needed to let his quarterback know that he believed in him, that he trusted him to put the ball in the hands of the great wide receivers. If you ask Kirk Cousins, he talks about that balance, the importance of Dalvin Cook. It was a positive day. We moved the football and scored points and did well in the red zone and did fairly well on third down. There's always a couple I want back. I think of a specific series. I think we went three and out. I think there were two throws we had there on that drive. Now, I can't say enough good things about our coaching staff, the game plans they've put together to put me in a position to be successful. When we run the ball effectively, it's taking pressure off me so that when we do throw, we can get touchdown passes. And we're not just having to drop back and, and check it down because they're playing soft coverages. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just have those games where plays that you didn't think were going to be there are there. And uh, other games, it's going to be a struggle. We might have to win 10 to 9, and that's okay. You know, you just got to find a way to win with what the game calls for. And the last few weeks, it's been a little more, you know, open it up and, and let, it, let it fire. There he is. Kirk Cousins could win the comeback player a year within the within the same season. On the flip side, a conversation for another time because we got to get to a break and get to the AFC next hour. How about Matt Stafford? Prepare yourself, folks. Prepare yourself for Matt Stafford at some point being the NFL's all-time leading passer. And the question of is he a surefire Hall of Famer because he is the fastest ever to 40,000 yards passing. Yes, that is in NFL history. And he is on pace to at some point become the NFL's all-time leading passer. It is a bizarre turn of events. He chucks it, talented quarterback. But what will that debate be like at some point? And by the way, Marvin Jones did something Megatron has never done. Four touchdown receptions on Sunday, albeit in a loss. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into the AFC and my surprise of the weekend. There were a couple of stunners over the AFC. Who is the best team not named the Patriots? We'll get into that. And Eagles, surely. How frustrated, how angry are Eagles fans right now after that awful game against Dallas? That's after a quick break. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.